to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Welcome to our Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. This is our Wednesday edition. I'm Andrew Womack, and today I'm here all by myself. I hope you aren't disappointed. <laughs> Amen. We often have a guest, and this uh, coming uh, Friday, I'm going to be the host again. And on Friday, I've got Mohammed Faridi with me. Uh, for those of you that don't know him, he's a graduate of our Karis Bible College, and as his name implies, he was a... Uh, you know, Iranian jihadist, and he was actually involved in jihad. And uh, he came and got born again, and he graduated from our school. Now he runs the Iranian Christian International Ministry, and they are seeing lots of people born again. They're printing materials in Iran covertly, of course, and they are doing relief in Turkey, especially for the people that have been through the earthquakes. And so anyway, I have guests, but today uh, I just decided that I was going to host this all by myself. And, you know, we call it Truth and Liberty. And uh, primarily my ministry has been focused on just teaching the Word, but I have gotten involved in the culture war and I'm taking a stance and speaking out on different things. And so a lot of our Truth and Liberty live call-in shows all have to do with dealing with social issues, current issues, and so it's not only dealing with the Word of God and, and scriptural, biblical things. Uh, but it is truth and liberty, so we may have leaned that direction in order to correct some inactivity that we have, but also I, I just think it's good every once in a while to do nothing but just straight out teach the Word. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. And uh, I would encourage you to call in. You can call in with any biblical question. Also, if you have a comment or a question on what's happening in our nation, you can call. And after the first 30-minute segment, I'm going to be sharing some things. But then we will spend an hour taking your calls. And uh, praise God, if you ask a question that I don't know the answer, I'll just tell you, I don't know. If you ask something that I don't want to answer, I've had people call in and what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? I'm not going to take time to answer questions like that. But anyway, if I don't want to answer it, I'll tell you. If I don't know, I'll tell you. But if I have an answer, I'll deal with that. The number is 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. And we'll be taking your calls in about 25 minutes from now. Real quickly, let me just say that we have the Heart of Christmas uh, performance coming up. This is a musical that we put on. It's a combination musical and just a, a play. And the people who do this, the Murins and uh, people from Sweden and different places, we, it, it's just amazing the people that God has brought us. This is one of the best performances you will ever see. We have been doing this now since 2014, and it has become an annual tradition. And there are people that come from all over the United States who've seen it before, but this is just a Christmas uh, tradition. It, it's all revolving around Christmas, but it's actually the story of the fourth wise man. 
the one who didn't make it. And it was like 20 something years later when he finally encountered the Lord. And anyway, it is, it is powerful. I promise you guys, if you would bring your wife, she would love it. You would score so many points with her. She would just love it. Plus we have doubled the lights on our uh, property and uh, I couldn't even tell you how much we're spending, but it's a lot of money to put up all of these lights just to make it a special experience. So that is December the 8th through the 10th. I think we're going to have three performances. You can go to our website and you can sign up for that at awmi.net. Also, the very next weekend for another three days, the 15th through the 17th, we're going to have a live nativity. And so our property will still be all lit up. It'll be a great experience and it's a drive-through thing. You come through and we give out uh, free hot chocolate. And I think that maybe there's some finger foods or something that every person that comes through, we will greet you and give you hot chocolate. And then also you drive by and we have actually camels, uh, sheep, donkeys, horses. We've got people dressed up in garb. And then inside of our facility, we have nothing but just windows all across the southern side of our auditorium. Behind there, we will have an LED screen and we will have a, a nativity scene with people there, babies, uh, all kinds of things. But there are live animals outside. There's people inside and it's a great experience. Last year, we had people come from at least four or five different neighboring states just to see that because they had heard about it. And so anyway, those are two things coming up and I encourage you to check that out. Also check out Truth and Liberty website at truthandliberty.net and we have a wealth of information there. We have a daily news feed that you can get that uh, you won't have to go to all of these different resources. We search a lot of different things and bring the things that we think are pertinent and put them there and you can peruse all of the news. So that's a time saver. Plus we have links to other ministries that will help you vote, that will help you decide, uh, you know, what the stance of politicians is on different things and just a wealth of information. So that's uh, truthandliberty.net and I encourage you to do that. You know, today I just want to share some things with you, some simple things from the Word of God. And let me go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And this is a familiar passage of Scripture. I taught on this today in our... Um, Karis Bible College, I taught our first year students about this. And I tell you, it was powerful. I had people come up that with tears in their eyes. And I mean, it just kind of connected the dots. The background of this is I'm teaching a series in school on spirit, soul, and body. And most people are not aware of the spiritual realm. And primarily my teaching on spirit, soul, and body is teaching about who you are in your spirit. Most people only know themselves by the person that they see in the mirror or the internal mental and emotional part. And that's really the only way that they know themselves. But the scripture teaches that there's a third part to us. And when you get born again, you are a new creature. That's not talking about your physical body. And it's also not talking about your mental emotional part. And I think that's pretty obvious. So what does the Bible mean? It's in your spirit that you're changed. So most of my teaching on this relates to who you are in the spirit. But today I was taking this truth about there being a spiritual realm, not only inside of us, but outside of us. There is a spiritual world that most Christians aren't aware of. And so when you take scriptures like Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, where it says, ask 
and you shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Most believers will take that and say, all right, I'm going to try it. And so they pray, and they ask for something, and then they open their eyes, and if they can't see it, well, there's an immediate conflict between Matthew 7, 7 and what they see. And so they just immediately think, well, God didn't answer. You know what that is? That's doubt. And people say, but he didn't answer. I mean, if God was to do something, if, I, if he really answered my prayer, then I'd be able to see it, whether it's finances, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical healing. And so immediately you have this conflict. And there's many other scriptures that go along with this. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, this is a confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his name, what's, uh, according to his will, then whatsoever we ask, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. That's a lot of confidence. But again, people will take that and they'll pray for something that they know is God's will. And then they'll open their eyes. And if they can't see it, if they can't feel it, immediately there's this conflict between the word of God and what they see. And there's other scriptures go along with this. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have it. Shall is in the future tense, but believe you receive when you pray. And so people will take that scripture and they'll say, Oh God, heal me. And then they open their eyes. And if they can still see the tumor, if they still have the pain, or, you know, if it's financial, if they don't see the money in their hand, immediately they doubt that they received when they prayed. How do you reconcile this? If you understand my teaching on spirit, soul, and body and understand that there is a spiritual world and it's the spiritual world that created this physical world. Well, that's a big statement and most people don't realize that. Evolution, people think it's just chance, circumstance, happenstance, it's all coincidence that all of this complexity and perfection that we see even in a fallen world, it still reflects the perfection that God created this world with. And when people see that, they just think it's coincidence that has happened. If that's the way you think, then you get locked in to where you think that all there is to reality is what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But I'm telling you, there is a spiritual world inside of you and outside and the spiritual world created this physical world. The parent force is greater than the force that it created. The spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. Well, I could get off and just spend an hour or two showing you that so much of the weirdness happening in our world today, this wokeness and people not even being able to figure out whether they're male or female, pretty simple. And yet there's people that can't tell the difference. That is not normal. That is demonic. There are spiritual powers at work. The influence that's being put on our nation today to turn this nation away from God, that's not just natural. That is demonic. It's a spirit of antichrist that has come against the word of God and against morality and against anything that's good. There is a battle raging in the spiritual realm and many people are just trying to fight things in the physical. Did you know that a lot of the healings that Jesus performed were casting demons out? He cast demons out of people 
and about 50% of the miracles recorded in the Gospels where Jesus ministered to people were Jesus casting out demonic things. It wasn't just physical. It's not just organic. There's not just a physical cause for everything. This is why so many times the doctors are just perplexed. They don't know why something is happening. Sure, there are some things that are physical. If you drink poison, it's going to affect you and it's going to have physical effects on your body. And so there are some things that, you know, you got to quit doing and you got to do things. I'm not saying everything is physical. If you hit your hand with a hammer, it doesn't do any good to rebuke the devil. That's just something physical and you have to pray and your body will recover. From it. But there are a lot of things that are spiritual, and the average Christian today doesn't even acknowledge that we're in a warfare. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm not going to take time to turn over to it, but it talks about humbling yourself, casting all of your care upon the Lord, and then it says, resist the devil because he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I think that's 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. And that's showing you that Satan is behind so much stuff, so much of the weirdness, the wokeness. People can't even figure out which restroom to go into. They can't figure out that it's wrong to decrease the police and let people just go and let uh, repeat offenders go. And they can't figure out that that's not going to work. It's demonic the way that Satan has blinded people to things. So we are in a spiritual battle. And I want to use this verse, a real familiar passage in verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me tell you what this doesn't say. It isn't saying that faith is just saying something that is it's so when it really isn't so. But if you will say it and believe it, you can make it so. It, faith isn't saying something is real when it really isn't real, but if you'll believe it hard enough, it'll become real. See, that's what a lot of people think faith is, but that's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope means that it's in the future, and it brings physical substance. This little desk that I'm sitting behind, it's got substance to it. It's tangible. This is saying that faith produces physical, tangible results from things that you are hoping for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. It didn't say it's the evidence of things that don't exist. They do exist, but they're in the unseen spiritual world. And see, if you don't understand what I just said right there, then when you pray and you say, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and you shall uh, receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. So you ask, you open your eyes, you don't see it, and if you don't understand that there is a spiritual world and faith is the bridge that allows what is true, what is tangible, it's already done in the spirit realm. Faith is the bridge that allows what's in the spiritual world to come into the physical world. If you don't understand that, then when you pray and then you look, you will think, well, you know, if God had moved, then I'd have seen the difference. My body would be healed. The finances would be there. And because you see something in the natural that's contrary to what the Bible says, you just think, well, I don't understand. Our God didn't answer my prayer. But it goes on to say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, right after it said, ask and you'll receive, seek, and you'll find, knock and it'll be open. The next verse says, verse 8, everyone that asks receives, to, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. 
See, some people just pray, and then when they don't see it, they think, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe he doesn't answer everybody. Maybe he says no sometimes. But the answer to all of this is that God is a spirit. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit being. He doesn't move in the physical realm. I'm going to say some things here that some of you are going to think is just totally wrong, but bear with me and let me explain it. God is a spirit. He doesn't move in the physical realm independent of people. He gave authority over this earth to physical human beings, and God himself is a spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And most people put a period there, but in the word it's a comma, and it goes on to say, according to the power that works in us. That means that, yes, God can do anything. All things are possible to him, but he has to flow through people. It's according to the power that works in you. And if you don't understand this, you'll pray, and when you don't see a result, you'll think, well, God didn't do anything. But the truth is, God answers every prayer that is ever prayed, but it has to come from the Spirit through a person, through faith into the physical world. And if you don't understand that there is a spiritual world that is unseen, that you can't contact with your physical senses, and if you don't understand that sometimes there is a, a period of time between when God moves and when you see it, well, then you'll just think, well, if God had answered my prayer, why hasn't this changed? Man, I've, I'm running out of time. But I've got an entire teaching entitled, What to Do When Your Prayers Seem Unanswered. I've got a book entitled, A Better Way to Pray, that will go into a lot more detail. And, of course, the number on your screen for calling here and, and, you know, asking is 719-619-2341. But we do have a phone center that's open 24-7, and that's 719-635-1111. And if you would call them, they could connect you to that teaching on a better way to pray, or they could connect you with that teaching, what to do when your prayers seem unanswered, and it goes into more detail. But I give scriptural examples in there where in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel prayed a prayer, and an angel, Gabriel, the same one that appeared unto Mary at the birth of Jesus, this angel Gabriel told Daniel, it says, from the first moment that you prayed, God gave me a command, and yet it took about three minutes for him to show up. Now, that's not a long period of time, and most people can handle it if you, you saw every manifestation to your prayer in three minutes. But it still establishes a principle. Gabriel said, at the beginning of your supplication, God gave a command. And it took about three minutes for Gabriel to show up. That right there shows that when God says something, it doesn't instantly happen. There is a lapse period of time between when God said go and when Gabriel showed up. And I don't know what was happening. It really doesn't matter. But it does show that when God commanded, it took a period of time. And then in the 10th chapter, you see Daniel praying a prayer. And in the 10th chapter, it took three weeks before the messenger from God showed up. But when the messenger showed up, he told Daniel, he said, from the first day that you prayed, God commanded, but there was a demonic opposition. 
the prince of Persia, talking about a demonic power behind the prince of Persia, withstood him for 21 days. And finally, Michael, one of the archangel, he came and he had to help this messenger and break through. But it shows that, see, God spoke, and in one instance it was a three-minute delay, in the other instance it was a 21-day delay, but it wasn't God that delayed either time. God answered both prayers. When you ask, you receive. God gave the command, but there was a period of time in between when God moved and when there was physical evidence of it. See, if you don't understand this, then you'll pray and you'll base your prayers on Matthew 7, 7. I ask, I receive, I seek, I find, I knock, it's open. So you ask, and then if you don't understand what I've just said, you'll open your eyes, and if you can't see it or if you can't feel it, immediately you're dealing with doubt. And if you doubt, you do without. It's like you remove this bridge between the spiritual world and the physical world. And faith is the thing that gives substance reality, physical reality to things hoped for, and it's the evidence, tangible evidence of things not seen. The moment you quit believing, the moment you start being dominated by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel instead of what the Word says, well, then you've just taken that bridge. It's like a drawbridge. You've raised the bridge, and you will not have the truth, the answer to your prayer that was given in the spiritual realm. It won't come into the physical realm because you quit believing. You went by what you saw. Let me make some statements that are not intended to condemn anybody, but it's intended to enlighten us, and it's really intended to help you. But if you are a person that prays and asks God, oh, God, heal my body, and then you open up your eyes, and if you still feel the pain, if the doctor still says that you're sick, you just immediately say, well, I don't know why God hasn't healed me. That's what the Bible calls carnal. You are being controlled and dominated by your five senses, and it's because you only think that this physical realm is all that there is. You aren't spiritually minded. You aren't aware that God is a spirit, that He moves in the spiritual realm. Healing doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. When you get born again, you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. You don't need God to come and touch you. What you need to do is reach down and draw out this power of God that is already in you. And man, I've got, I don't know, hundreds of hours of teaching on how you draw this out. But the first step is to acknowledge that you don't need God to come do something. That, you know, you just need to draw out what God has put on the inside of you. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is praying a prayer for Philemon, and he says, I pray that the communication of your faith would become effectual, that means it would begin to work, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. It didn't say that your faith begins to work by praying more, by fasting, by having somebody lay hands on you, by calling the prayer team and getting more people to put pressure on God. The way your faith begins to work is by acknowledging what you already have in you in Christ Jesus. You got to understand that God has already commanded the blessing upon you. Ephesians chapter 1, you're already blessed with all spiritual things. You don't need God to do something. What you need to do is believe that in the Spirit it's already done. In 1 John chapter 4, verse uh, 17, 
It says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. It didn't say, so are we going to be in the future world. We are, are as Jesus is right now. Your body's not like Jesus right now. Your soul's not like Jesus right now. But in your spirit, your spirit is identical to Jesus. You have the resurrection power of Jesus on the inside of you. And what you need to do is believe that you've got it. And people will go to the mirror and look and say, well, I don't see it. It's not in your physical body. They will search their emotions. I don't feel excited. I don't feel encouraged. I don't feel blessed. It doesn't matter what your body says or what the soul says. In the spirit realm, you have the resurrection power of Jesus on the inside of you. And what you've got to do is believe I've got it. Like it says in Mark 11:24, believe you receive when you pray. Not when you see it, but when you pray. How can you do that? How can you go against what you see? By acknowledging that there's more than what you can see. Did you know right now we've got a signal going out. Many of you are receiving this by satellite. Some are receiving it through like a cable type of thing. Some of you are receiving it through your phones. But did you know that there's invisible signals going out? You can't see them. But just because you can't see television, radio signals doesn't mean that they aren't there. And if you think, I don't believe anything exists that I can't see, well, then why don't you turn off your phone? Why don't you turn off your television? Quit using this stuff because you can't see those signals. What you do, you plug in a set and that receives the invisible and turns it into something visible. That's what faith does. And did you know that faith is just simply taking what the Word of God says? Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You can see your physical body. You can feel your mental, emotional part, but you can't see the spiritual you and you can't feel the spiritual you. How do you access what's true in the spirit? Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This word tells you exactly what spiritual truth is. And I've been sharing with you that it is spiritual truth that when you ask, you receive. When you seek, you find. When you knock, it's opened unto you. If you ask, God hears you. And if you know that he hears you, you know you have the petitions. That's what's happening in the spiritual realm. Now, whether you ever see that in the physical is not an indication of if God answered your prayer, it's an indication of whether you believed and provided that bridge for what has already been done in the spiritual world to come over into the physical world. I tell you, the things that I've shared right here, this is powerful. It took me decades to figure out the things that I've shared with you in just less than 30 minutes. But I tell you, this could change your life. And I've got so much material on this. I have probably, I don't know, 20, 40 hours worth of teaching on what I've just said, explaining things. This teaching on a better way to pray, this teaching entitled What to Do When Your Prayers Seem Unanswered. I've got an entire series on faith, faith builders. I've got a teaching on spirit, soul, and body. I've got a six-part teaching on you've already got it, and on and on it goes. I've just got a lot of teaching on this. And so anyway, all of my resources are available to you. You can call our helpline, which is separate from this Truth and Liberty number, but the helpline number is 719-635-1111. That's open 24 hours. And we're going to take a break here for just a few minutes. 
and um, share some things with you. And when we come back, I'm going to be taking your calls. So the number to call if you want to get on, if you want to ask a question, if you need prayer for something, it's 719-619-2341. And right now we've got all of our phone lines open. So the number is 719-619-2341. I'd love to hear from you. And we're going to be taking a break. And then after that, we're going to be taking calls for the next hour and ministering to people, answering their questions. And it doesn't have to be only biblical stuff. You can ask me current events. You can comment on anything you want to. And if I have an answer, I'll share it with you. And if I don't, I'll tell you, I don't know. <laughs> Amen. But it'll be good. So anyway, the number is 719-619-2341. Let's take a brief break, 90-second break, and I'll be back on the other side of the break to take your calls. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. All right, so we're back on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Uh, I'm going to speak to my people. I've got an echo in my ear. I hope they can fix that. It makes it really hard to talk. But uh, we do have open lines, 719-619-2341, and I'd encourage you to call, and I'd love to talk to you. Let me just amplify on something that Richard Harris said. He's the director of our Truth and Liberty uh, Live and uh, he talked about uh, our website, and we do request people to help us. Right now, we've got five broadcasts per week, and uh, they're an hour and a half broadcast, and we have, I don't even know how many people, but maybe five, six, seven people that are here running this, taking the calls. We've got people, we are doing, uh, we're putting out voter guides. We just had, had an election in uh, Colorado and we put out, I don't even know how many voter guides of people all over the state. And once we start seeing things turn around in Colorado, which has been traditionally a blue state, we are gonna, when we see this turn around and we get the things we're doing perfected, we're gonna be going nationwide. And it just takes money. It's amazing. All of these people who work for us need money to be able to work here. And so I'd encourage you to become a partner with us you can do that by going to truthandliberty.net and what we consider a partner is a person that gives $5 
or more in an automatic withdrawal per month. That's what we call a Truth and Liberty partner. And you will get special emails from us. Every Friday we put out the good news, at least three good news that most people miss because they just listen to the 10 Spies Network that only talks about all the negative stuff. So anyway, there's a lot of benefits to it, but the main thing is you're just helping us get the word out. And we really do need people to be partners with us. So again, go to truthandliberty.net and that would be a blessing. Our number again is 719-619-2341 and I encourage you to call. Uh, right now, we don't have anybody on the phone, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue this teaching that I did in the first segment until we start having some people call in. And let me just uh, continue to expound on this, that over in 2 Kings chapter 6, this will illustrate what I was talking about, but in 2 Kings chapter 6 is an instance where Elisha, the man of God, was telling the king of Israel all of the king of Syria's battle plans. And this happened so often that the king of Syria finally told his people, says, somebody here's got to be a traitor. There is no way that the Israelites can thwart all of his military plans unless somebody's given away these military plans. And so one of his servants said, it's none of us. It's uh, the fact that Elisha, the man of God, is telling the king of Israel the words that you're speaking in your bedchamber. So what he did was send his soldiers down, and in the morning when Elisha's servant woke up, he walked out on the walls, and he saw all of these Syrians surrounding him. And look at what happened. When this happened, it says in 2 Kings chapter 6, and in verse 15, it says, When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Which is just old English, for he panicked. He, when he saw the Syrians around him, and they had been giving away the Syrians' battle plans, he knew why they were there. And so he panicked because he was looking at something that was really, really bad in the natural realm. And look at Elisha. Elisha said unto him in verse 17, or verse 16, it says, He said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. See, if you don't understand what I was talking about, that there's a spiritual world that really exists, and it's real. It's not just fake. It's not... Uh, play like. It's not fantasy. There is a spiritual world. If you don't understand that, and if all you did was look in the natural realm, then you would look and you would say, Elisha lied. Because you could count him and his servant, that's two, and you could count the enemies by thousands out here. If all you believe is real, is the physical realm, then Elisha lied. And this is what a lot of people think that faith is. And they, this is what they think faith people are. You faith people are just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it people that you say things that aren't true, hoping they'll become true. That's what a lot of people think faith is. And if you are carnal, what the Bible calls carnal, you are controlled and dominated only by what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. If that's all you think there is to reality, well, then Elisha lied if... All there is to truth and reality is the physical realm. But the truth is there's also a spiritual world. And when he said there are more with us than with them, he didn't lie. He was telling the truth. Let me say it this way. Those that are carnal and think only what they see and feel is reality, I'm saying this in love, but that's a lie. 
That's not truth. There's a spiritual world. So what did Elisha do? Elisha knew that his servant didn't understand what he said. So in verse 17, it says, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. This wasn't talking about his physical eyes. I can guarantee you his physical eyes were wide open looking at all of the enemy soldiers surrounding them. This was talking about open up the eyes of his heart so he could see with his heart into the spiritual realm. And it says that the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Did you know when the Lord opened up the eyes of Gehazi and he saw into the spiritual realm is not when the spiritual realm all of a sudden happened and all of the horses and chariots came. They'd been there all along, but they couldn't be seen with his physical eyes. God had to open up the eyes of his heart. What this illustrates is that, see, there is a spiritual world. And in the spiritual world, when you believe God, God moves. God releases His power, but it's according to the power that works in us. If you don't know how to believe, if you don't believe that something can happen that you can't see, if you can't believe that in the spiritual realm God is moving, He's already commanded, the answer is on its way, but you haven't seen it because of a multitude of things. Uh, if we don't get a whole bunch of calls. I might go into that and tell you about what some of the things are that hinder it. But the principle is that God has moved and whether you see it or not, there is things happening in the unseen realm that you have to bring into the seen realm by your faith. Faith gives substance to things that are in the unseen realm. Boy, when I saw this, it changed my whole relationship with God and it changed the way that I believe. No longer was I captive to, dominated by what I could see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. I began to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. So anyway, let's take some calls. We've still got lines open, 719-619-2341. Let's go to Gladys in Georgia. You're on Truth and Liberty with me, Gladys. I met you at my um, Atlanta Gospel Truth Conference just a couple of days ago. It's nice to meet yes. you. Yeah, so welcome to our, our program. You're on. Thank you, Brother Andrew, for taking my call. How are you? I'm blessed. Did you enjoy our Atlanta conference? Oh my God. It was so it was so much interesting. I learned so much and it was a privilege and an honor to finally meet you in person. I was I was like starstruck. <laughs> Well, it was a privilege to meet you, too. Did you like uh, uh, Greg Fritz, who was with me? He was ministering. Oh, he is very funny. That was my first time actually listening to him, and he was really awesome. He was awesome. I'm already looking forward to the next <laughs> Gospel Truth Conference. <laughs> and, you know, Greg Fritz is one of the broadcasters on our uh, Gospel Truth TV which right now right. is an internet-based thing. So you can go and you can see his program five days a week, and he's a great, great minister. Okay, I will check that out because I really enjoyed his first time, my first time seeing him. It was really great. The conference was awesome. Amen. Amen. So have you got a question or a comment, Gladys? Yes, I do. I, I would like your opinion why most men are not speaking up when it comes to abortion. Most of the time they would say the, the woman has the right to her body. And from the scriptures, we learn that our bodies don't belong to us. We have been bought at a price. So the woman really doesn't have any right to her body anyway. 
you know, and she did not conceive their child by herself. So I'm just wondering, right. why aren't more men speaking up when it comes to abortion? They push it all up to the woman for people who don't understand the scripture. So I would just like your opinion on that, please. Well, I think that one of the reasons that the liberals don't talk about the man is because that would weaken their position. Because as you said, Gladys, it's not just about the woman. It took two people to conceive that child. And I've known a lot of men who their wives went and got abortions against their will, like as if they had no part in this and they had no right to this situation. This whole thing of saying that abortion is all about a woman's rights is a total lie. It's a total misrepresentation. And I tell you, this is one of the reasons, you know, in this recent off-year election, uh, they're saying that anytime you talk about abortion, that the conservatives lose because the liberals have painted it as this is taking away rights from women, that if we uh, allow abortion to be outlawed, then our, our daughters are going to have less freedom than we did when we were under Roe versus Wade. And they make it all about women's rights. And that's a total misrepresentation. What about the rights of the child? What about all those female children that have been aborted? There's been over 60 million children aborted, and I can guarantee you probably 50%, somewhere around 50% of those were women. What about their rights? It really isn't about a woman's rights. It's about murder. A child is a living human being. When they passed Roe versus Wade in 73, did you know that the Supreme Court decision that legalized and gave a constitutional right to abortion that didn't exist in the Constitution, they just created it. They even said in that decision, if you would go back and read the original decision, they said that they were making this decision in the absence of any proof that that what they call fetus was a actual person. And that Roe versus Wade decision said, if by science you could prove that a child is a human being and able to feel pain and actually a person, well, then they would have uh, constitutional rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness just like any other person. So even the Roe versus Wade said, if they ever prove that this child in the womb is a person, then they have rights. And I guarantee you the individual woman's right does not give her the right to kill another person. It's murder. And now, I mean, anybody, if they would be honest, the liberals would have to admit that there has been so much scientific advancement that they show that a child feels pain. I actually, when I started the pregnancy center in Colorado Springs, and I funded that. We rented the largest mall in the city and we played this movie called The Silent Scream. And it gave an ultrasound showing an abortion and it showed the tools coming in and ripping this baby apart. And on the ultrasound, you could see this child screaming and withdrawing from that and showing pain. And uh, there's now plenty of scientific evidence to show that the child in the womb is a human being. It has a separate DNA, a separate blood type from the mother. It is not part of her body. From the moment of conception, that is another person. And uh, so anyway, one of the reasons that men don't speak out is because they feel like it's all about the woman's, right, women's rights and over their own body. In the first place, that's a lie. But then even people who know better 
Uh, I think there's two reasons. One of them is they don't want the criticism, and I guarantee you the abortion crowd is shaming all of the people who stand for life, and there's a lot of people that have just fallen prey to the rhetoric of the liberals, and they don't want to suffer the criticism. Also, there's a lot of men that they have no morality and they are getting women pregnant without having any commitment to them. They aren't married. They're getting people pregnant out of wedlock. And the man is just totally disassociated himself from it, which is completely wrong. But then probably the biggest reason that men don't speak out abortion is because they're under the influence of the devil. It's a demonic thing. And I know that what I'm saying, there's people that would criticize me and say, boy, you are one of these weirdo religious people and they don't acknowledge that Satan exists and they think everything is just about physical, natural things. But I guarantee you there is a spirit of antichrist. Satan is out to kill people. You can go back to the time of Moses and when it came time for God to raise up a person and lead the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, the Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male children. And then when Jesus came along, the Messiah, you find out that Pilate went and sent his soldiers to kill all of the children in Bethlehem. Every time that there is a mighty person of God raised up, Satan knows something is happening. And I believe that all of this abortion and the 60 million people that have been aborted, Satan is trying to stop this last great move of God. I believe it's demonic. And so people are just not very responsive to God. They're more responsive to the devil. They're fearful of people's reaction. And so I believe that that's a lot of what's going on. Again, good to meet you, Gladys, last week. I appreciate you coming and appreciate you calling in. You are a constant blessing. Amen. So let's go to Kenneth in South Carolina, and you're on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew. Let me just say that we still have some lines open, 719-619-2341, and I would love to talk to you, so call and, and we'll take your call. Kenneth, you're on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew. Okay. How you doing, Andrew, Mr. Andrew? I'm blessed. That's good. You're right. You're right. Um, um, my question for today was like, um, I, say, I told your man I was talking to, and I said, I go to church a lot and I hear different pastors preach, but I'm um, preaching the gospel, but I'm never seeing the signs and the wonders follow them. But and they, and you and the Bible says those who preach the gospel, the good news, signs and wonders shall follow them. And I'm not seeing, I'm not experiencing that. Different church I go, to, I'm not experiencing it. And I was wondering if these guys truly being called to preach the gospel because the signs and wonders follow them, or just a, a lack of faith, or lack, a lack of unbelief. Well, Kenneth, let me say a couple of things. One thing is I've had a number of students just in the last week come to me and say the same thing, that they've been in church their whole life and they have never seen a miracle, a sign and wonder. And that's wrong. And they come to Karis Bible College and we see people healed all the time. Just this last week, I prayed with a woman who had had a stroke and she was paralyzed on her right side, couldn't talk properly and her right side was paralyzed. And I prayed with her and within a minute, she had her hand up over her head. She got so excited, she went to dancing and around and we saw a paralyzed person totally healed. We had another person that I prayed with who had arthritis so bad that they were stoved up and could barely walk around and man, they started running. They were instantly healed. We had a lot of other miracles happen. So 
let me just say, Kenneth, that there's a lot of people. I would say the majority of people are not seeing signs and wonders. And why is that? I, let me correct one thing you said. You said that the Bible says those that preach the gospel will have signs and wonders follow. The Bible says those who believe will have signs and wonders following them. There's a difference. You can say the right words, but if it's only religious to you, and if you're just preaching or parroting what somebody else said, but if it's not coming from your heart of faith, then there won't be signs and wonders. The scripture says in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, that these signs will follow them who believe. And then down in verse 20, it says, the Lord went with them and worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. And so, Kenneth, one of the reasons that we aren't seeing signs and wonders is because people are preaching religious doctrine, but they aren't operating in faith and they aren't preaching the true gospel. I was raised in a church where they said that miracles stopped with the first century and that we don't see miracles today. And guess what? If that's what you preach and if that's what you're expecting, you aren't going to see miracles. And there's a lot of people that might even say, well, God can do this, but they're afraid to step out. Did you know it's risky when you start saying, if I lay hands on you, you're going to recover. Because what happens if you lay hands on them and they don't recover? It's a lot easier to pray and say, oh God, we are nothing. We have nothing and we can do nothing, but we know that you can heal. If it's your will, stretch forth your hand and heal. That's a chicken prayer. That's an easy prayer because anybody can pray that. And if nothing happens, well, we don't know the things of God. When you start saying that God gave me power and authority and he said, if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I'm going to lay hands on you and you're recovering right now. You start saying that, uh, it's either put up or shut up time. And people are afraid to do that. They really don't believe. And so uh, what you're saying, Kenneth, is true. And it's a major problem in the body of Christ. And we need to start having people that will stand up and not only speak the truth and talk about miracles, but demonstrate it. And uh, I tell you, we are in the process of doing that. I believe I should do it more. I don't believe I'm doing it perfectly, but we, we see people raised from the dead on a regular basis. I've, I've got people in my ministry. My, I've seen three or four people raised from the dead, depending on how you uh, look at things. But I've got probably 50 to 60 people that have been raised from the dead through staff and through students that I'm aware of. We see it happen all the time. We see blind eyes open and great things happen. And it ought to happen a lot, lot more than it does. So thank you for your call, Kenneth. Let's go to Ann in North Carolina and you're on Truth and Liberty with Andrew. Hi. Good to see Hello. you. Hello. Yes, ma'am. My question, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. My question is about the millennium. <clears throat> Who will be there? And will they be births and deaths? You know, I have thought about that, Ann, and I can't say scripturally that there will be or won't be. The scripture doesn't say. I would suspect that there will be births during the millennium, but again, that's a suspicion. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing in the scripture that says that everybody's just going to live for a thousand years and that there's going to be no births, but it doesn't mention that there are, and that would complicate things. What about these people that are born during the millennium? Are they going to be in or under a different dispensation? Are they 
somehow or another going to be different? And I'll just have to say, Ann, I don't know an answer to that one. I understand what you're saying and I've thought about it, but I don't know that I have an answer. You know, Paul said, we only know in part and we prophesy in part, and that's a part that I don't know. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I wish I could be more help to you, but I don't know the answer to that one. So hope that doesn't discourage you. I just don't know, Ann. Thank you for your call. Hey, God bless you. All right, we got Suneo, I think is the way you say it, from Hawaii, and you are on, you're a supporter of Truth and yes. Liberty. Thank you for being a partner, and you're on Truth and Liberty Live. Yes, thank you, Andrew. I'm yes, totally, I, I went to Cali Survival College, too, and uh, I just totally thankful for all your work and teaching everything. Well, but, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> but today... I was reading your commentary, reading commentary, and then just happened to went to First Timothy six two, and then Paul was talking about regarding slavery, and the, your commentary was uh, like a what sound like a kind of opposite of what you saying in the truth and liberty, and then so the part I was. Uh, Reading was like this. Paul never used his influence for social change, even in this appalling situation of slavery, and saying, and it's true that Paul might not have been able to change the whole Roman world, but Paul didn't. And then said, you said, continue, said, but the true power of Christians is not the mobilizing its member to political action. The power of the gospel changes people's hearts one at a time. When that happens, enough people, political, social change will follow. So I was uh, thinking about how I can uh, put this political craziness of now, especially election integrity, uh, what can I do for our community stuff? Well, Suneo, let me, let me interrupt you if I can. We've got a break coming up, and uh, I want to answer this. And what you're saying, I understand what you're saying. I remember writing that footnote, and it's very similar to like Paul saying that you're saved by faith without works, Romans chapter 3, verse 27 and 28. But then James comes along and says, you see that you aren't saved by faith alone. Your faith without works is dead. Some people see those as contradictory things, but they really balance each other. And if you don't understand the balance, you could take Paul's statement and say, well, then it doesn't matter what you do. Or you could take James' statement and say it's all based on what you do. It's actually a, it's in between those two. And these apparent contradictions actually give you a better understanding. So, Suneo, here's what I was trying to get across is that Paul lived in a day where slavery was just rampant. I've heard statements that I forget the exact number, but I mean there was a high, high, high percentage, nearly 50% of the people in Rome were slaves. And slavery was just the rule of the day. And Paul did not have any political power to do anything. So instead of coming in and telling the people, you stand up and you rebel, if they had done that, they would have been killed. And so Paul didn't use his influence to try and change 
the political climate of his day, what he did was speak to slaves how they should respond to their masters, and he spoke to Christian masters how they should uh, deal with their slaves. So a part of the reason he was doing what he did was because of the day he lived in. You know, there are people that criticize George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and they just say that America was totally woke from the beginning. But what they don't realize is that George Washington and George Mason petitioned the King of England to outlaw slavery in the 1760s. But see, they were colonies of the British Empire. The British King George, he owned two-thirds of the slave trade, and he was getting rich off of it, and he would not allow the colonies to get rid of slavery. So people look at George Washington and say, well, he was a slave over, so therefore he couldn't be a godly person. He was, it was all of this talk about freedom and liberty was a lie. But no, he wanted it, but they couldn't outlaw it in that day. And this was part of why they rebelled at the uh, British uh, Empire and tried to break away. And then even after they got their independence, they had already made a decision that they need to stay united. It needed to be a United States, and 11 of the 13 colonies wanted to do away with slavery, but they couldn't win the Revolutionary War if they broke into partisan politics. Uh, and so they, they made a decision that we're going to stand united against the king, and we will deal with slavery later. And they actually wrote into the... Uh, Constitution and stuff that in 1800 that they would uh, outlaw the importation and selling of slaves, and they did in the in 18 I forget the exact time 1807 January the first. They still allowed slavery to exist, but no longer would they import or export slaves. And anyway, they were dealing with it. My point in all of this is to say that Paul didn't have the advantages that we have in now a constitutional state. He couldn't change things, so what he did was just speak to the people he was influencing about how to deal with the situation they were in. And I think that sometimes we forget the context of these historical things and we just condemn them in the sight of what we're doing today, but they couldn't outlaw slavery. He would have been killed. All of his disciples would have been killed. That was the law of the land, and if you were to stand against slavery, they'd have wiped out the Christians. So Paul just told his people how to adjust. Anyway, that is a quick summary. I could say a lot more about that, but let's take a break. I'm going to take a 90-second break, and we'll come back on the other side and take more calls. We have some people on the phones right now, but there are phone lines open if you want to Call in and make a comment or ask a question. You can call 719-619-2341, and we'll try to get to as many calls as we can. So we'll be right back after this 90-second break. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped 
and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. All right, you're back on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew, and uh, we've still got some open lines. The number is 719-619-2341. Let me emphasize once again that there is a lot of expense to what we're doing, and we're doing it because I believe that this is ministering to people, and we're dealing with subjects we wouldn't normally minister on over television or some of our other avenues. And so this Truth and Liberty, I believe, is really powerful, and it's beginning to make an impact. We had Gene Bailey from uh, Flashpoint and his team here this week. And in February, we're going to hold a Flashpoint thing here at Karis. And, and Gene was telling us that he's a partner with us and that, praise God, I, God is beginning to use truth and liberty, but it takes money to get it done. So we really do need people to partner with us. You can go to truthandliberty.net and there's a place where you can donate and we call a person who's a member of Truth and Liberty, a person who makes an automatic withdrawal from their bank account of $5 or more per month. That get, makes you a Truth and Liberty member and allows us to do what we're doing. Amen. So we're going to go back to our phones, but I still got some open lines, 719-619-2341. And I'd love to have you call. Let's go to Robert and you're calling from Florida and you're on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew. Welcome. Hi, Andrew. Um, well, good to um, hear you. I'm I'm over here listening to your messages on um, uh, seeing in the spirit. And um, one of the things I remembered when you uh, had mentioned in First Chronicles 29, uh, 18, it mm -hmm. mentioned that uh, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this forever in the imagination or the heart of the thoughts of the, of the people and prepare their heart unto thee. And my question is, uh, by faith, did David see in the spirit a great transfer of wealth like never before in the heart of the people for them to make that kind of offering to his son? You know, I believe, I believe that he did, Robert. Uh, you know, I had James Brown, the television commentator. He came here and he was looking at everything we've got. And he said, Andrew, did you ever see this come into pass? And I said, well, of course I did, James. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have seen it. And immediately he says, well, I should have known that. But I believe that the same thing is true of David. He wouldn't have seen that in the outside with his eyes if he hadn't, have, first of all, seen it on the inside. And did you know, just, you mentioned 1 Chronicles 29, 18. If you go back, I think it's 1 Chronicles 27. I'd have to look up the exact scripture. But it says that David gave the plans for the temple and all of the furniture, the candlestick, the altar, the incense, the everything. He, he gave it to Solomon, which he received by the Spirit of God and wrote it down. And that's kind of just a mention that is made in passing. But if you go back and meditate on that, that means that David saw all of these things. God gave him the plans of the tabernacle, the temple, and all of the furniture and all of the things there 
which David got by the Spirit of God, which means that the Lord showed this to him. So I do believe, Robert, that he, 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 he operated exactly the way we operate today, and that is that he sought the Lord, God showed him things in the Spirit, and then he brought it from the Spirit into the physical through faith. And I, I do believe he saw not only the temple, but this transfer of wealth. It took tens of billions of dollars to build that temple. It was awesome. And I believe that David got it just the same way that I'm getting all of the money that it takes to build out Karis Bible College. So anyway, I hope that answered your question. That, did that work, Robert? It did. It, it, verse 25, that's the last verse in the, that chapter. And it says the same thing you just said. So amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Robert. God bless you. Thanks for your call. I've still got some open lines, 719-619-2341. Let's go to Esther. And Esther, you're a student from our Toronto, Canada, Karis Bible College. Welcome to Truth and Liberty Live. Shalom. Yes, ma'am. Andrew, how are you? I am blessed. Yes, so my... Amen, amen. Uh, my question is, um, I've been getting uh, attacked from... Last year till now, it's about three times. Today was the third time it came, um, the attack. Uh, it is in my private area, and this time around, I find it harder to believe for healing. I don't know why the unbelief has come. Um, it could be because maybe I'm not solely focused on that um, to declare for my healing. I'm, I just want to know, how do I just get out of unbelief? or the same attack? And why is the cycle, like, why am I not going from breakthrough to overthrow? With you know, Esther, I had a student ask me that exact same question today. So this isn't just you asking this. And so I think that the reason that, it, that it's harder the second time when Satan hits you with something is because the first time this was new to you and you just dug in and you believed God and you were in the process of operating in faith and you continued until you saw the manifestation of your healing. But then if he comes back, and there's multiple reasons why that happens. One of them could be that you quit believing. A lot of people only dig in and really believe when they are under the pressure, when something is happening, and then once they see the manifestation, it's like, well, I don't need that anymore. And they quit seeking the Lord and looking at those scriptures and building themselves up the same way that they did before they got their healing. You need to recognize that it takes faith to maintain what you obtained by faith. And so uh, that could be one reason it came back is because you felt like the battle was over and you just weren't standing. But then sometimes you could still be standing in faith and Satan has the ability to attack you. That doesn't mean that he has the ability to overcome you, but he could knock on the door and have a symptom come back. And because you've dealt with something before, it's similar to like in the natural realm when a person has a cold or the flu or something and you get over it, you're now healed. Your body is still weak in that area and you're susceptible to things until you build back your immunity. And so sometimes it's just that when, when something comes back, whether it's because you, uh, you know, quit fighting and quit uh, exerting your faith or if it's because it's just an attack of the devil, the first thing that happens is 
you think, oh no, and you remember all of the things you went through before. You may even have the thought come to you, was I truly healed? Or was it just a temporary thing that the symptoms went away? Was this dealt with? And it's just, it just focuses your attention back away from God. And Esther, I would say this to you, that the same faith that you used the first time to be healed of this thing, it, it'll work again. The Bible says in Romans 11:29 that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That means if you ever had the anointing of God manifest in your body for a nanosecond, it's still there. The power of God doesn't come and go. Now, it, your manifestation, your cooperation with it might come and go, but the power of God, if He ever gave you healing, it's still there in your body. And what you've got to do is just sit there and say, no, I refuse to let this back. And instead of looking at it just like I'm sick again, look at it as like I'm already healed. You are trying to steal from me what I already have. And it's easier to defend what you have than it is to go get something that you don't have. Uh, Esther, let me continue to answer your question here, but let me say that I've got some lines open and until a call comes in, I'm going to uh, minister on this a little bit more. The number is 719-619-2341. But Esther, here's an example of something that I did. I had a woman come who had pain in her body that was severe for over seven years. The doctor said that on a scale of one to 10, her pain was a constant 11. And she was basically bedridden, housebound, because she hurt so bad she couldn't do hardly anything. She had magnets taped all over her body, and then she had a blanket with magnets sewn into it, and somehow or another, the electrical fields, uh, the magnetic fields between those magnets lessened her pain, and that's the only way she had existed. So anyway, she came to me. She came over to a house that I was at. I prayed with her, and she was instantly healed. And I mean, the first time in seven years, she was totally pain-free. And I began to tell her, similar to what you're asking, Esther, I said, Satan can come back and knock on the door. He could give you a pain again, but that doesn't mean that you weren't healed or it doesn't mean that you lost your healing. It's just Satan knocking on the door. He knew that when I prayed, I believed. And so he had to leave, but he may come back and test your faith to see if you're going to stand or if you're going to crumble. And I said, so don't feel strange if the pain comes back, here's how you deal with it. And I taught her what to do. Anyway, I spent about 45 minutes with this woman and as she got ready to leave, she put her hand on the doorknob and she just froze. And she looked over her shoulder at me and she says, the burning in her, she had a burning in her waist, uh, you know, on the backside. And she said, the burning is back. And I said, well, I've been teaching you what to do. Now you do it. And anyway, she took her authority and she rebuked that pain and boom, like that, that pain was gone. I've seen her a couple of times since then. And she said it came back once or twice. And all she did was just, I, I likened it to like a knock on the door. I said, because they knock on the door doesn't mean that they got to come in. You just tell them, no, this door is locked. You aren't coming back and you stand your ground. And she did that, and she said that she's had a couple of times she had to fight something, but it's gone. And anyway, it's now, that was back in 2001, and as far as I know, this woman is still healed of that. So the same thing applies to you, Esther. 
if you know, you could ask the Lord, it says in Psalms, uh, excuse me, uh, Philippians 3.15, if you be otherwise minded in anything, God shall reveal this unto you. So if there is something that you've done that allowed this to come back, just simply ask the Lord and say, God, have I done something? Have I quit believing? Have I let up in my faith? But don't become so introspective that you just are probing yourself looking for problems. You'll always find something. Just simply ask, and if you don't get a blinding revelation from the Lord quickly, well, then just stand and fight. It doesn't matter how it came. And you continue to resist. And the Bible promises in James 4, 7, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. You receive that, Esther? Receive Yes, I Amen. love it. I'm just so grateful for you. I just want to say this, Andrews. I know you have to go, but um, I I obviously attended Karis Bible College, and I have a, a couple more pastors. I don't know if you know Kevin Zadai. We just love you so much. One thing the Lord stood with me firmly. He said to me, "If you never ever stop listening, uh, never stop listening to Andrew Womack from the from the day you die. Never stop listening to him." And I've always well, kept that in my heart. So I'm I would agree with that because I'm, speak, I'm speaking the Word of God. It's not because of who I am, but it's because I have truth that God has shown me, and it'll help you. So thank you, Esther. I appreciate it. God bless you. Let's go to Frank from Missouri. Frank, you've called in before. I'm glad to have you call in again. What's your question? Oh, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to talk to this mighty man of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, my question is, have you dealt with like a, I know you have this, I don't need to ask it like that. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that says that we are his workmanship, it created in Christ Jesus the good works. And that word, uh, have you dealt with that word poema that uh, is it's like the word poem with a little hyphen over the E or, you know, I, 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 I do a little bit of the Greek, mess it up like the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, uh, but the but the word in uh, in in James uh, to be doers of the word and not hearers only is the same word or the same Greek root word poetis. So you, you, we can't even do the word without uh, without Jesus doing it to us and through us. And uh, you know, it was, I, it was, I gotta praise God for for, for this broadcast and, and you and, and, and your leaders there. Uh, this Sunday was the first Sunday that I got to walk. I walked through church without my, without my sticks, without my canes. Amen. Praise God. Well, the, the word is working. Amen. It says that God sent his word and healed them. And so, Frank, you've called in before. I know you've been a, a regular listener. So praise God. The word's working. Let me answer that by saying, if you put this in context, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And then verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's saying that you didn't save yourself. It's what God did by grace, and all you did was respond to His grace. It's not your works. And then that verse 10 that you quoted says, for we are his workmanship. I think the point that's being made is, it's not what you do that causes God to save you. God saved you by his grace, and it is totally his work in you that produced salvation. People will say things like, I found the Lord, but the truth is God's not the one that was lost. 
God found us. God pursued us. And when we finally quit running and turn around and says, Oh Lord, I receive, it's not you that reached out and made God do something. He already provided salvation. He's been pursuing you and it's just you humbling yourself and receiving. So anyway, I think that that's the reason that that word workmanship is used. If you take it in context, the previous verse says, it's not your works that saved you. You are His workmanship. You are the result of His work in your life. So I think that that's the point that's being made. Thanks, Frank, for your call. Let's go to Evelyn from Texas. You're on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew. Yes, thank you for taking my call. What yes, I mean is in my father's house, a mini mansion. When I think of a mansion, I'm thinking of a large house. But in heaven, we don't need a house because it's no even. So is mansion or really a house uh, is, is sent for some spiritual? I believe that it's talking about a physical place. Uh, I can't prove that. It is possible, Evelyn, that this is, you know, everything's going to be different in eternity and in heaven. But uh, I think it's talking about a physical place. It does describe the new Jerusalem coming down. And if you take those dimensions and translate into, into our units of measure, did you know that the new Jerusalem is going to be 1,200 miles long, 1,200 miles wide, and 1,200 miles high? 1,200 miles is the distance roughly, this is an approximation, but it's roughly the distance from Texacana, Texas, to Chicago, Illinois. And it's going to be that long. That would go all the way over to the East Coast, and then it would be that high. And if you figure, I don't know what the square footage of these mansions is going to be, but, man, you could have hundreds of square feet per person in the New Jerusalem. And that's counting on millions and millions, possibly billions of true believers. And it would still have room for, uh, you know, hundreds of square feet per person. So it, again, I've thought about these things, Evelyn. I don't know that that's a total answer. Uh, again, there's some things that when we get to heaven, I think we're all going to be surprised. It may not be exactly the way we think. But when Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, I think that that's what it's talking about. I think it's talking about physical mansions. So that's my opinion. You know, opinions are like noses. Everybody has one, usually has a couple of holes in it. <laughs> I'm not certain about that. I'm not going to be disappointed. Whatever God has for us, it's going to be awesome. But that's, that's the way that I've thought about it in the past. Let's go to Bodie. He's an AWMI partner from Louisiana. Let me just mention before I take your call, uh, Dodie, that we still have uh, a couple of lines open, 719-619-2341. We only have about 11 and a half minutes before the broadcast is over. So if you want to get in, please call that number, 719-619-2341. So Dodie, you are on from Louisiana. You're on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew. Yes, thank you. Um, this is something I have wondered about. I've I've always been on the side of Israel, of course, has to do with this Israel war. I do believe it. They can ache. Um, and I never felt through my life, and I'm an older lady, that that I took the place of Jewish Israel and all that. But they did say at the time of his crucifixion 
let his blood be on us and on our children. So they curse themselves. Correct. And so this this focus on the state of Israel is just kind of puzzling to me because Jesus said there's no Jew nor Greek, there's no Jew nor in Gentile. We're all one in Christ. And and of course we want peace and so on and so they don't even take him now. I, just, I guess I just don't understand all that prophecy yet. Well, I'm not saying that I understand everything either, but in uh, Romans chapter 9, it talks about that the Jews were God's people, but because of their unbelief and rejection of Jesus, God broke them off and grafted in the body of Christ. Now, some people have taken that and they have what they call replacement theology where they believe that the body of Christ is now the true Israel of God. And there is a scripture that says that in Romans chapter 2. And uh, we, we are in a position where we are now the people of God and the body of Christ, I am not trying to diminish that any at all, but it hasn't totally replaced. It is grafted into the Israel, uh, nation of Israel but uh, there are still physical prophecies that apply to Israel that the church, it doesn't apply to, such as the Lord said he would bring them back and plant them in the land. Now that's not talking about the church. There are physical, natural things that apply to the nation of Israel that uh, I believe that they still are a, a very, very important part of God's end time plans. And anyway, I don't have the time now to go into that, but there's multiple things that are still true. And you know, the, the nation of Israel now is an absolute miracle. The Hebrew language actually became a dead language. Nobody knew what it was and they have resurrected it. Now there are people speaking Hebrew. Israel is now a nation and it was prophesied that they would fly on the wings of eagles, I believe prophesying the Western nations who flew them in and created this nation. And there are prophecies that in the end times, the ungodly are going to come against the nation of Israel and God is going to wipe them out at the battle of Armageddon. So the nation of Israel are still the people of God in the sense that they have physical, natural promises that are assigned to them. But if they don't know Jesus, they are outside of the covenant outside of the new covenant and they need salvation just exactly the way that Paul preached to them and said that you're all going to perish unless you repent. Uh, so they need to be saved the same as any Gentile needs to be saved. But there are promises to the physical nation and you know, if somehow or another they were to try and draft me and send me to fight against Israel, man, I'd defect in a second you are not going to have me fight against them because God said that he would bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse him. Anybody who comes against the nation of Israel is on the wrong side of God. There are physical promises, but the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. And we certainly parallel. I think that many of the promises to Israel have become uh, fulfilled in the body of Christ, but we haven't displaced or replaced Israel. We are grafted into that same thing. Again, that's a quick answer and it's not a complete answer, but um, I do believe that the body of Christ is special to God, that we are the bride in a way that Israel isn't, but Israel still has plenty 
of promises, and I would not fight with them. I, they are uh, chosen people, and they are going to win. Nobody's ever going to kick them out of the promised land. Anybody who comes against them is going to be defeated. And you could go back to the uh, establishment of the nation, the Six-Day War, and just so many other things. It is miraculous the way that God has defended them. There's only about 7 million Jews in Israel. Did you know many of our cities have more people than that in it? And yet this small number of people in a relatively small place are affecting the world. And the hatred that's against them, I believe it's demonic. I believe that Satan hates the Jews because so much of Bible prophecy is tied to the Jewish nation and Satan is out to do everything he can. I believe he's the one that inspired Hitler and on and on you could go and he's the one that's inspiring Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, all of those people, they are given over to hate the Jews. It is totally demonic in its origin. So anyway, that's a quick synopsis of what I believe about the nation of Israel. We're just about out of time. I still have some lines open, 719-619-2341. Let's go to Elizabeth calling in from Missouri. You're on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I have, I have uh, wondered in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, it talks about the seven spirits of God and I have never figured out exactly what that is saying. Well, uh, Elizabeth, I'll tell you, I haven't figured that one out either. I have thought about this a lot. And did you know that there was the seven, uh, seven candlesticks, seven branch candlestick that was in the temple? And it talks about the eyes of God, the seven eyes of God that were in the Lamb in the book of Revelation. And uh, there were seven spirits upon Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of him. I, there is something to this that I haven't quite figured out. I know that it has significance beyond what I've seen, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. I've heard some other people teach and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what it is, but they just base it on their own feelings and interpretation. They can't tie it to scripture. And so I'm not gonna just, buy into that without somebody showing it to me from Scripture. But I don't really know the answer to that one, Elizabeth. <laughs> I do think there's more to it than what I know. Do you have a revelation on what the seven spirits of God are? Are you asking me? Yes, ma'am. Uh, no, I've been, I, I thought I had this down a few years ago, but as I go through it again, I find myself totally confused as to what that is. You know, there's some things. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now we know in part and we prophesy in part. Paul is a guy that wrote half of the books in the New Testament. He probably had a greater revelation of God than anybody else, so much so that the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter, uh, is either 1 Peter 5 or 2 Peter 3, he says, our beloved brother Paul says some things which are hard to understand, which those that are unlearned and unstable wrestle as they do others. So Peter even talked about Paul's revelation was beyond his, and he called Paul's writing scripture. And so this guy who was used by God to write half of the books of the New Testament said he was only speaking in part. He only knew in part and he only prophesied in part. And so I don't have a full revelation on that, Elizabeth. And 
I know that there's some people that think that, you know, I'm supposed to know everything, but I don't. You could fill volumes with what I don't know. But let me just say this, lest that make somebody think, well, what's the use? If Andrew's been studying the Word for 55 years, doesn't know this, well, then what's the use of me trying? Don't let what you don't know keep you from doing what you do know. I haven't figured everything out, but God has shown me so many things that have revolutionized my life. I've seen my wife, my son raised from the dead. I've seen probably 50 or 60 people that I know that have raised people from the dead. I see miracles of provision. We see people's lives being changed constantly. What I do know is so good that I know I'm on the right track and I'm not going to let what I don't know uh, bother me. Now, I'm not complacent. I'm not just sitting here saying, God, I don't want to know anymore. I've, I know enough. Man, I'm seeking the Lord. I spend a lot of time still studying the Word and praying. So I am not complacent, but I am not, I don't know everything, but I'm not letting what I don't know keep me from doing what I do know. So anyway, I hope that helps you, Elizabeth. I don't have a full revelation on that, but praise God, I'm still pursuing and I, I believe someday I'm going to understand that. If not in this life, I'll understand it when I finally get to heaven and know all things. So thanks, Elizabeth, for your call. And we're just about out of time. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Thank you for your calls. And uh, I hope you'll listen in. We have this every single weekday from 3.30 until 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, we do this. We have different hosts every day. And this coming Friday, I'm going to have Muhammad Faridi on with me. He's an Iranian Christian. And as his name implies, he was a jihadist, an uh, Islamic a jihadist, and he's converted to Christianity, now has a ministry, and he has some wonderful things to say about how this conflict between the Jews and the Arabs has played out, why this is happening, and it'll be different than what you've heard on the news. So I encourage you to listen in. That's Friday's broadcast, and it'll be good. Remember, we do this every day from 3.30 till 5 o'clock, and also you can go to our website, truthandliberty.net, and you can become a regular partner. We need people to partner with us in order to keep this going. So please check it out, truthandliberty.net slash donate and become a monthly partner with us. God bless you. We'll see you again. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.